Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb Welcome to Groundhog Minute the podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day one repetitive minute at a time. I'm your host. <laughs> I feel like you said that before. Didn't I just say <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Once again, I'm your host, Sean. <laughs> and I'm your other host, Dave. And joining us today, we have special guest Dave D'Alessandro, the Seinfeld Minute, and his good buddy, Joe. Welcome. Hey, guys. Welcome. Yeah, Joe. Thank you. For, Thank you for having for coming us. coming on in. And Dave, welcome back. Yeah. And uh, thanks. The pleasure, pleasure's all mine. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> all right, so we've we've asked you guys here t- today to uh, talk about minute 32. So, Dave, what happens in minute 32? So, all right, in minute 32, Phil asks, "What if there was no tomorrow?" They come to the realization they could do whatever they want. Phil decides to do some reckless driving, and Phil confesses all the sayings he's heard about what bad things you shouldn't do like don't drive on the railroad tracks i i happen to agree with that one <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing of your recap because i have that exactly in my notes right there it says what if there was no tomorrow realization this is the pivotal moment of this scene, of the whole movie where it changes over to he realizes that it's just happening all the time and he can live out his life i love this minute good yeah. he's very very enthusiastic I, I love this movie. Yeah, and, and um, we, we talked about a little bit earlier sort of the, the wisdom of drunks, kind of the, the unknowing intelligence coming out there. And yeah, Gus has, you know, the, the, the ultimate conclusion. He jumps right to it, goes, skips from A, B, C, right to Z. No tomorrow yes. would mean we can do whatever we want. Whatever we want. We can do whatever <laughs> we wanted. And that's, and yeah, and that's kind of. I mean, that's where – that's one stage of evolution that Phil goes through in his progression. And this is this is a pivotal moment. He reaches that next level. When Ramis talks about this scene in the director's commentary, he kind of talks about an adolescence. How like you're you know, teenagers, you don't think of consequences. You don't think about growing old. There's no tomorrow. There's you – know, you're going to live forever and yeah. you just you do whatever you want. Well, when you're a kid, you do have very little responsibility. It's basically, you know, go to school, yeah, do your right. homework, maybe if you want to, and yeah. apart from that, you know, do whatever you want on the weekends. You're not paying for anything, right? And there's well, there should be One of the things you don't realize until you buy a house and have a family is that you know life is expensive. Yes, and you can't really do whatever you want. But if you had that opportunity to do whatever you wanted to, you know, you can go hog wild. I, I want to set the scene for when he asked that question. So we know it's got to be somewhere in the very early morning. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's still around the town is probably, you know, at, at that gobbler, um, the Groundhog Day ball, or they're already right. home. So to Phil, this is almost like the edge of the world. He's not going to see any more of these people until the day restarts again. So he's kind of like looking at an, at an empty town in the middle of the night. No one's around. It's almost like just looking out at a vast nothingness to him, or it's just... He knows in a few hours he's going to wake up back in Mrs. Lancaster's bed and breakfast, and he's going to have to do another report. He's going to have to look at Larry and Rita again. And I think it's really interesting to kind of like these these two guys are 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 are, are lucky that he gets to like make this this question to them. 
Because he's probably thinking it. You know, he's thinking everything they're about to say. He's already thought it, but mm-hmm. he needs somebody to tell it to him. He needs to, like, hear it said, not just from his own head. I agree. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And I think there's another thing about about these particular guys, because we saw, and he he kind of poses the question or the situation a little differently to, you know, when he's talking to Rita in the diner, but we kind of see her reaction and we see like the psychiatrist and the neurologist, like they're like the logical reaction of, of, of what Phil is talking about and what he's going through. But then these guys aren't, you know, they're not thinking logically. They're thinking drunkenly. So they're not like, you know, Oh, of course there's going to be tomorrow. Of course there's consequences. They're not questioning. They're just reacting to what Phil's saying because, the you know the lot the kind of the grown up logic isn't firing on all cylinders there so he's kind of getting you know they're serving as a sounding board and he's getting that feedback that he wasn't going to get from Rita and he wasn't going to get from the doctors that okay no tomorrow all right that means no consequences yeah this is this is what we can do this is what we can do right yeah it's way better than going to the psychiatrist drunk uh drunk logic makes a lot more sense and 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 kind of the music it's an unfiltered oh yeah no no it is it's unfiltered no i was was just saying that like what i like is the music it kind of changes it has this funny kind of uh, this goofy music when they're talking about it but as soon as he hits that trash can it kind of changes into a more of a a devious there's a little bit of a oh yeah yeah a little bit of a bit of a funky beat to it and what's what's funny is yeah we're in the middle of town again yeah he's kind where you know Phil has seen this place and he gets to he gets to destroy it now over and over much like Joe uh, knocking shit over over there <laughs> sorry go ahead yeah so we see him driving through kind of like yeah I think he's in that main square we see where like the parking spaces are blocked off yeah and then he drives right past the courthouse and the prison that's now the crepe restaurant hmm. symbolism. <laughs> Some symbolism there. Mm-hmm. Well, then wouldn't he... He must have driven right past the diner, and it must be closed, because I don't. we don't see any yes. lights. We don't see the, uh... the... The cop is actually parked outside where it would be. That's mm-hmm. where the cop is parked, really. That corner right there, that is definitely where the diner is. And yeah, yeah. He's 20 feet away. All right. But, but again, there's no consequences. You could do what you want. You could yeah. knock over a mailbox. Yeah. The, the two <laughs> and, of them are scared. I mean, they're in a catalog. <laughs> we already said how strong they're going to be. But to Phil, he's smiling. You know, he he's now he gets to now he gets to have fun. Knowing that he can do whatever he wants at this moment. Well, let's just drive and just right talk it out. Let's get it all going. I think I noticed in the background there there's a Woodstock Jewelers or yes. something like that? Yeah. Did, did, did you mention that already? We mentioned that this is obviously in the town of Woodstock, Illinois. So we're, we assume that in the canon of the movie that there's a Mr. Woodstock <laughs> and that is his jewelry. Yeah, <laughs> like Anthony Jewelers, Robertson's uh, Jewelers. Ah, all right. That that makes sense. Yeah, because um, all, the, all the storefronts along the line was like, you know, Lindy's Bakeries or, you know, Joe's Hardware. So that just must be, uh, you know, Mr. Woodstock has a jewelry store and that's why. Yeah, it's that's Woodstock, fine. But, makes uh, sense. Yeah. So I want to bring this now. So so Phil goes into his his lines about, 
you know, what not to do that everyone's always said. So let's go through the ones. Clean up your room, <laughs> stand up straight, right. pick up your feet. Now, those three, I feel like, are average with the per- you know, what your parents say. You know, every- your parents have always told you to clean your room and they don't want you to slouch when you're sitting in, you know, in school <laughs> yeah. or church. You know, pick up your feet. They don't want you to drag and look like a bum. Now, the take it like a man, I feel like take that's it like a man. I feel like that is, yeah, that like that, that was like the first hint of something where it's like, the fact that he's remembering that line makes it feel like he's been told to say that line. And I'm like, mm-hmm. ooh, like I was kind of thinking, like, what if, like, he's grown up in a household where his father was very strict to him and, you know, didn't give him any lax. And he says, you, you know, whatever this thing is, you got to take it like a man. This bad punishment, or it would be like bad luck in life. You got to take it like a man. And maybe the be nice to your sister is maybe, maybe, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to start stretching this idea. What if, like, you know, it's Phil. He kind of lashes out at his sister or something where he's like, like I said, my theory is that she's really nice. I like to think that she's really nice and she was too nice to tell Neil knows Ned. To get lost. <laughs> Ned Ryerson. Wow. Ned the yeah. head. The belly button so he, guy. Didn't he get yeah. the shingles real bad senior year? <laughs> yes. Almost, Almost didn't, didn't graduate. graduate. <laughs> Yeah, so we we had talked about that. So one of the things Ned says is he dated Phil's sister Mary Pat a couple times till he told her he told him not to. And yeah. we wondered was that you know at, was it at request of Mary Pat that Phil interceded, or was he just being the brother, knowing that Ned was the dorky guy? You know, stay away from my sister; she's too good for you. Yeah. So I. Yeah, and I think that kind of adds to this this be nice to your sister line that maybe you know maybe she was into Ned, maybe she thought Ned was a nice guy, and she gave him the nickname. Yeah, and then but you know Phil's got a butt into everything, just couldn't leave her alone. So be nice to your sister. Uh, don't mix beer and wine. <laughs> that one's true. That, that <laughs> applies later in life than uh, being. Nice I mean, I don't know if they were. T- yeah, I kind of wonder what kind of childhood if where that's what they were telling him growing up. But yeah, <laughs> when you when you're old enough for that to apply, that that is that is an, that is another one that I will agree with. Don't mix beer and wine. Do you mean mix them together when you drink them, or drink one then the other <laughs> then back and forth? I think either, but right. definitely not the first. Don't mix them. Yeah, no. but but don't. One and then the other. You definitely don't want to do that. One and then the other usually doesn't work out well. I'll, I'll say that. And this is interesting. So so this little that little litany that Phil's list of things that you know he's been hearing his whole life. That's um, I don't know if it's quite improv, but it's it's something they came up with on the set. That's actually not in the script. Okay. Um, that's right. something that that. Murph Murray and Ramus kind of came up with on the spot that the script is very simple. The script has them hitting a few more things they show, you know, cause we see him, he hits the mailbox and in the script has like the, the cops parking cars across the road to kind of stop them. And then he runs into the cars and he's like, take that and hit this and that. And, and it kind of just bland stuff, but yeah. So then they came up with, with that little bit. Um, which I thought was was nice. This is kind of, you know, there's a lot of just Murray in that line. Bill Murray working his way out, coming up with those things. Yeah, it's a, it's oh, projecting yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take it like a man. That's that one. It gets a little dark there. Yeah, yeah. Take it like a man. Like what is he? What is he taking like a man? That's something that I think has kind of influenced his adult life. He's had this attitude of. I don't I don't want to say strictness because Phil isn't strict, but mm-hmm. it's 
it's like he's whatever 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 level he's put himself to, he sees everyone lower than it. Because he's like, I did this, this, and that, and I took it like a man. And so I have I now have this self-appointed authority to essentially ridicule everyone else around me. Pompous. Yeah. Very pompous. Well, yeah. Is that something you develop over just one weekend in Puxatani, or does that take a, a lifetime? I I think so. yeah, I think it was something throughout you know, his childhood, the fact that they came up in the same sentence as clean your room and stand up straight. I feel like he maybe had some strict parents that, you know, really drove something home into him, but it maybe it kind of messed him up in the long term where, you know, his attitude toward people wasn't very, he was, he wasn't lax <laughs> with other people's, um, there are little, the little annoyances you have around people, you know. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, my one friend, he always smokes, and I hate it, but, like, oh, he's a good friend. Like, to Phil, like, he would probably always hammer in how annoyed he was at it or something. Well, on the one hand, I could see you, like, how that line could be, you know, a big have a big impact on him you know, as a kid. But then again, he's also rattling off other sort of expressions, you know, of, that have to do with just, you know, growing up and that sort of thing. So perhaps Don't drive on the railroad tracks. <laughs> yeah, that's certainly an important one. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to do that. <laughs> well, the, how, how? But then again, you know, you could say like, uh, you know, don't take any wooden nickels. You know, is that something you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. If, how serious do you do you hold? I want to see that deleted scene where he's like, yeah. So then he suddenly pulls over and like breaks into a, a convenience store or something and goes through the register looking for a wooden nickel. I'll show them. I'll take a wooden nickel. <laughs> so is he like skirting the expressions of the time on purpose or is he uh, – I, I don't know where I'm going with that. Skip well, yeah, because I'm just I'm wondering yeah. like some of these things – well, I guess the like you know cleaning up your room, pick up your feet, be nice to your sister. That's kind of common stuff I can imagine parents saying. You know, I don't know – you know, your, your standard – Yeah, your standard platitudes. Um, the don't mix, don't mix beer and wine. Maybe pick that up in college or, or high school. The don't drive on the railroad. Track. But it's still a societal thing. Yes, but I'm wondering how, like, how often the the don't drive on the railroad tracks. Like, how often does that come <laughs> up? Like, I don't think anyone's ever said that to me, but they wouldn't need to because. I would like it would never occur to me to drive on the railroad track. Right, it's not something you would think that you would have to say to somebody. You, it's, it's not a saying. You know, it's like you know. Right, is that just me? And you know, do we think like is that actually something that he's been hearing all his life, or does he just he sees the railroad tracks and it occurs to him, and then he's like, yeah, what the heck? Yeah, I think it's that because I mean I've heard the phrase "don't play on the railroad yeah. tracks." And I remember when they, when New Jersey Transit was installing a light rail, they in school we actually had to watch this like video. It was pretty much these kids are playing by the trains and like, oh no, like clearly somebody died in the PSA, and they're like, don't play on the railroad tracks. So we had to remember we had to watch a lot of them when like, oh, wow. the when they were like putting because it was like because yeah. used to just be mm-hmm. the freight train at night, but then the light rail was going to run all day, and so now it was like, great kids are going to get killed by trains every day now. <laughs> got to educate these kids or else they're just they're just going to lie down the railroad tracks and get hit. Right, that's one of those there yeah. was never a need to inform people and now obviously there is 
you need to. Kids are laying down my railroad tracks left and right these right. days. That's it. We just walked out of school. We just like <laughs> lemmings. We would just go in the railroad. Just like, I guess I'm, I guess I'll die. I don't. No one ever to. told me not to. I guess I have to die yeah. now. If all your friends jumped that. off the bridge, would you? Uh, you know, kind of same thing. <laughs> Probably. There's no video that told me not to. I I, 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 I got to go. <laughs> and then, God forbid, you do tell them not to. Then they're just going to do it now because you told them not to. Well, yeah, they probably yeah. You put maybe you could have been better off just not saying it at all because then they wouldn't be able to rebel against that one. Right. You put the idea in their heads when you mention it. Yes, yeah, much your <laughs> fault as is mine. <laughs> I never thought of it until you said don't do it, and that just made me want to do it. Yeah. Think about what you've done. So <laughs> I want some flapjacks. <laughs> Oh yeah. So cut back to our two local drugs here. How much did they sober up on that moment when he like stopped on the railroad tracks? Like I feel like the both yeah. went, well, you know, and because he does come to that, you know, hey, I do agree yeah. with that one, you know. Yeah, he's like, "Hey, Phil." <laughs> but then at the same time the cop yeah, it's kind of a Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, then the cops following him and they have that little moment where it's, you know, he Gus is yelling at the cops, you know. <laughs> hey, you know, we're talking in here, you know, we're having some serious dialogue. You know, he doesn't really say that, but, you know, that's the implication. You know, he's, we're, we're having some serious breakthroughs here. Leave us alone. It's that drunk. Yeah, turn off those lights. Right, it's that drunk moment of, you know, hey, that drunk moment of clarity. He was realizing, hey, we're having some serious life-altering conversations here, you know. I, obviously, they're not because they're drunk and this is an idiotic conversation. Uh, but not for Phil because he's actually living this. But to them, no, they're, they're... it's still just your. They don't know that there's no tomorrow. You know, Phil knows, but these guys don't. They're only going under the drunk ramblings of a, another drunk rambler. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's my all right. So that's my next thing. Now that we're on the railroad tracks. Uh, I don't want to get into the next minute. That's tomorrow's business. You know, that's, right. that's I don't want, we don't want to push too far. But I, I want to go. Is that like, you know, Phil knows is obviously mm-hmm. uh, a cop chasing him. Is he doing this because he's like, well, I don't feel like outrunning a cop, and I'm not in the mood to hit chase, but I want to play chicken to see if the cop follows me on the on the tracks. You know, is that what he's thinking right now? And he's going with that. How far can I take it? You know. Yeah, I think is this really? Am I really doing this over and over? You know, can I really do this? How far can I push this? That's the whole, you know. Yeah, kind of not pushing too far, wanting to get caught to see what would happen. Yeah, kind of like an adolescent, kind of like a teenager that he's right testing the limits, Velociraptor, (laughs) touching the fence, touching the fence, touching the fence. Yeah, wrong show, wrong show. Wrong, wrong show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he doesn't quite know what's going to happen, but he's going to push it to see how far you can take it. Yeah, and then, you know, just he happens to come upon some train tracks. Yeah. Right, and then later on you'll find out, you know, it really works, and that's the whole change of the movie, you know. This is that setup for him to... And the moment of... Right, this is the, the revelation, right? This is your, this is your you know, wrong show, but... <laughs> You know, this is your Tyler Durden moment, you know? Mm-hmm. This is the, oh my God, I just found out that I'm crazy. In in a sense, he does. He finds out he's crazy. He's running this day over and over again. You see, that's what I, that's what mine were. And the whole movie changes. Now it's an adventure movie, you know? And he's, how far can I push it? And, yeah, I was trying to push my belief that this whole thing is going on in Phil's head from the beginning anyway. So, thanks for helping me out. Hey. 
<laughs> no, if there's any theory to push, it's that Mrs. Lancaster is clearly of some demonic <laughs> possession, okay? And she's cursed him. Okay, so she's I don't know if she's, you know, a devil per se, but she's got something to do with this. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm I'm suspicious of Mrs. I Lancaster. can see it in her, especially the, you know, after the you know this realization, and he's coming down and he's answering her questions before she asks him, and she's got that look. Wait, are you talking about the lady who owns the uh, the hotel he's staying at? Yes, the better <laughs> breakfast. breakfast. Yes, yes. Yeah. Wait, she's demonic. Oh, she has she has supernatural powers because she right, there's something. I must have missed that minute. She's in on. <laughs> no, 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 it's it's well because well, this the, is the minute. She's the <laughs> yeah. Well, she's the common element. Because all the people that are staying in that bed and breakfast are reliving the same day over and over again the same way Phil is. Like that's the common denominator. Everyone who stays at that bed and breakfast ends up in this Groundhog Day loop. We just – you know, we're following one guest, but – That is awesome. (laughs) It's Mrs. Lancaster. Spoiler alert. Groundhog Day 2, you know? And she taunts them every morning. She asks, how did you sleep? Because she knows. Oh, wow. She knows. Exactly. She knows. I'm unfamiliar with this theory of yours, but I she am intrigued. <laughs> and then she, he gives in to her the temptation that gives her a big fat kiss on the mouth. Ooh, I got – oh, man. I, I can't talk about it. You're teasing me. I can't talk about that Wait, minute I, yet. I, I, yes, I, you are teasing sorry, me. Sorry. No, that's, that's a few hey. more. So I, I can't bring that up, but I am I am more than excited to talk about all that. Um, more than but excited. I mean, okay. So that's that's all right. These are my notes for the minute. That's all I have. I want to. What else you guys got? Uh, I got a bit more about uh, Rick Overton. Okay, good. Oh yeah, yeah. Tell us. Uh, give us some Rick Overton story. He uh, appeared as the Drake on the Seinfeld episode, The Handicap Spot. That's right. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we got a little handicap tie-in. And I think he was also in, I think he had a tiny part in the pilot episode that they did. But yeah, that may have been just a quick, he may have been like in the background at that point. But uh, yeah, the handicap spot when George gets the uh, wheelchair, so forth. Very good episode. (laughs) That's a good one, the wheelchair episode. Maybe one day I'll get to that on my show. But uh, moving on, he was also in uh, Mrs. Doubtfire as a Mater D. He was in the TV series... Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, the very lesser known TV series. I did not know that. I I, I knew. (laughs) Yeah, no. I I mean, I watched a lot of those like knockoff TV show sequels. Like, I remember I watched a lot of weird science TV series. I like that one. I think he. I think he may have been in the cartoon series. I'm not 100 percent sure. Oh, it was a cartoon There sequel? was a series. I think there was a, a normal series, and there was also a cartoon series. 90, from 91 to 92, okay. somewhere around there. Mm. It's probably like Back to the Future uh, animated series, I guess. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, there was a... All right. Well, I say we're, we're kind of winding down. Is there anything else you want to make sure you, we get the most out of you guys? Uh, Rick Dukeman, <laughs> the late, great Rick Dukeman. Oh. Yeah, yeah, he went young. He was uh, Art Weingartner in The Burbs. Yeah, shout, shout out yes. to The oh, Burbs. Classic, man. yeah. And there you go. I want to kill everyone. <laughs> Satan is good. Satan is your pal, yeah. Classic, classic line. One of us. One I think of they us. actually sampled that line in uh, 
oh god, some some rock band used that line, you know, as a, a five second sample. I forget, I forget the yeah. band though. The uh, good times. The only other thing I want to kind of just a thought I'm going to put out there. I'm not going to kind of finish it, but something to think about is just kind of the like the difference between liberty and license or, or liberty and freedom. When they talk about when they, you know, they have that line, we could do whatever we wanted. So there's no consequences. They can do whatever they want, you know, but is that, you know, is that really true freedom? The kind of the, the freedom to do to, you know, the freedom to do whatever you want, but you're also free from repercussions. You're free from responsibility. Um, you know, what, what kind of freedom is that? Is that, is that true freedom? Is that quality freedom? A short, it's a short-term freedom. That would be the same thing as if you got everything you wanted all of the time, it would become boring after a while because there would be there is no you need that consequence repercussion you need a a backlash of some sort you know a good to go with the bad if it was always good you would never know what good was mm. so then in in a sense it could become all bad because it's always the same you know almost similar to you know the high powered <laughs> executives you know and they want to deal with you know prostitutes who beat them or something you know they they want somebody what? to disagree with them because they get so much stuff that they want you know it's that you know you're in such a high power place you want to be told what to do you know you find these are the guys who are the you know dressed up like babies and you know because they're so used to you know Oh, that's that's an interesting point. You of can't, view. you can't, right? Once you give full freedom, you know, it's like all absolute power corrupts absolutely. Once you get to that full end, you know, if you become so righteous, you become bad. You know, it, it becomes bad. You know, because you're not there is you need a a consequence. There has to be something that happens negative for everything that happens positive. You know, you can't just always ride ah, a positive. All right, I got you. I can see that. So in a sense, it's not freedom. You know, you become a prisoner of that freedom. It's just, well, if you can do anything you want all the time, well, what's the sense of I mean, doing if you anything? you could do anything you wanted. There's no danger. Point, There's no danger. You've got to be living in a There's dream no danger. then. Which is, which I, which right, I bring so it up again. Short term, it would be great. Short term, it'd be great. You can do whatever you wanted. It'd be awesome. But just like Phil, it gets boring after a while. And you start searching for real meaning, you know, something. Yeah, it's a. It's a dream that turns into a nightmare. Ah, there you go. Correct. Right. Okay. Best way to put it. I ramble. I can't yeah. help it. All right. Put a button on that. No, that's – put a button on that right All right. There. So, yeah, I think, yeah, on, the, on that happy note. Boom. Dream turns into nightmare. Well, Dave, thanks once again for, for joining us. And once again, let our listeners know where they can hear more from you. Ah, thanks. I'm on SeinfeldMinute.com. All the information's there. Uh, you can subscribe through iTunes and so forth. Me and my girlfriend do the show. We've been doing it for about uh, a little over a year. It's a lot of fun. We have a lot of good yucks. <laughs> there you go. Good yucks. Put that on, uh, put that on a business yes. card. <laughs> All the contact information is there if you wanted to join us. We're always looking for guests as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's one of, well, my probably one of my favorite uh, television shows of all time. And a great podcast, so I encourage the listeners to check that out and uh, check us out. You can you can find us online. We got our own website, and that is the groundhogminute.com. And also uh, find us at Facebook at Gobbler's Knob. 
our uh, Groundhog Minute listeners group. And follow us on Twitter at Groundhog Minute. And, of course, you can always reach us at uh, GroundhogMinute at gmail.com. And so that is us. That is it for us for today. Thank you for listening. And so say all of us. Oh, sorry. Yep. That's <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and Joe. Yeah, forgot about Joe. Thanks for thanks for swinging by for uh, for Friday. This will be a Friday show for uh, for the listeners out there. So uh, it was great having. There you go. Get drunk, no repercussions. (laughs) Perfect for a Friday. (laughs) No consequences. Friday night, right? No consequences. There is no tomorrow. Consequences, consequences. And so, listeners, we will see you tomorrow if there is one. Long